Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hi, welcome to The Call from Barangaroo Studios. This is the program. It is 10 companies, 10 stocks picked by you, two great expert guests to get you through them all in one hour. This is Friday, the 26th of March, and I'm Nadine Blaney. A big welcome to our viewers joining us on Twitter and Facebook today. The Call is live every weekday from midday to 1 p.m. if you're just finding us now and that's Eastern time. And we also make this program into a podcast if you like to listen on the go. And you can catch up with all of our episodes on our website, which is osbiz.com.au. Great to have you along. Well, I've got two guests with me here as promised. <laughs> We've got June Bailu from Tribeca Investment Partners and Adam Dawes from Sean Partners. Guys, welcome to the program. This is the first time you've been together. I know, uh, I've missed this it. Year. I've That's missed yeah. it so much, yeah, Absolutely, we're looking forward to this yeah, panel. I'm pretty absolutely. chuffed as well. Yeah. Um, you know me, Adam. I like giving a little bit of a bonus for our viewers. Yep, absolutely. Last time you were here, yes. famously, you had a table thumping by yep. in the ASX. How's it gone? And does this purchase of Chiex by CBOE test your thesis at all? Uh, so the first one we did quite well. I think it was around 70, 71. It's now about 73. So a little bit of a bounce. Not going to say it was all on my call and for the <laughs> investors out there buying it. But I think, look, there's deep value in ASX around these levels. So I think that that's one of the things that I like. The buyout by Chiax, I think it just adds more competition. ASX is definitely firmly in the seat for being the uh, Australian Stock Exchange. It is part of our, inter our, our infrastructure. But I think it'll, it'll make them be a lot sharper. And I think the Chi-X move is probably a good thing. And competition is always good. So I think it's going to be okay. So it's still a buy. It's still a buy, I definitely. am putting you on the spot. Do you have any view on ASX, the market operator at all? Uh, look, I, I think it's a, a, exactly like Adam said, that it is infrastructure-like stock and uh, it is defensive and the competition will heat up. So mm. my view is the competition will heat up. It will go through a period of transition. And, and I think it's in a good position to, um, you know, to, to um, you know, innovate. And generally, it's really good for the industry itself. But uh, for me, just uh, earnings looking pretty tough over the next 12 months. Um, I am certainly, and with the competition picking up, um, I certainly it's not something I would uh, would uh, have as a table thumper buy. Um, <laughs> I have plenty of other stocks, but uh, it, it's more of a hold. Stock Wonderful. Thank you guys for, for just that update. There you uh, go. Let's get to the company of the day, the stock of the day. And perhaps in terms of the amount of coverage it's de generated, the company of the week, Airtask listed at 65 cents kicked higher from the outset it's up another 
yeah, almost double digits yeah. in early trade today. The Australian marketplace for gig economy is looking like a pretty good gig for the company so far. Uh, so uh, I don't think we need to really explain what Airtasker does. Was this on your radar? Were you interested by Airtasker? What do you make of it? Look, I like the business. Um, it's it's a great business in a great um, you know sort of environment, trading environment at the moment. Um, I think that ultimately the question is, um, well, what do you want to pay for it? Um, you know, how many times revenue? So uh, at the IPO price, it was pretty expensive. So obviously, it's done very very well since then. So um, to me, you know, it is quite illiquid. Um, you know, we've seen it mm. again and again in the last twelve months. Um, you know, these businesses they do well on first couple of weeks um, and then generally the liquidity dries up so um, you just need a couple of holders to sort of trying to take profit and lock in that profit they made um, then the share price sort of drift um, because you know the new buyers just finding struggling a little bit in terms of the what price you pay for it so uh, to me it's a uh, uh, it's it's a little bit too expensive at this point and you want to see a trade um, you know have a bit more liquidity a bit more new shareholders which um, you know probably will take place over the next 12 months because we have read that it's a lot of the taskers themselves that mm -hmm. Mm. are mm. Uh, you know holding this company right now mm. to Junbei's point though too expensive in this environment when yes revenue is looking pretty good although yeah. they've got to spend on marketing to increase that revenue yeah. once again and we're talking about rising bond yields tech names pulling back so absolutely the, the other side of what I, I sort of see then is, is this sort of reminds me of a, a door beauty where they came out post COVID their numbers were fantastic, yeah? Mm. The numbers were great. Can those numbers continue to carry on? Mm. I'm not too sure. Now, Airtasker, you've had people sitting at home for six months looking at a wall going, I really need that painted. Uh, I can't be bothered, so I'm just gonna get somebody to come in and do it. So potentially, um, the numbers that they've run through from that COVID world over the last six months, 12 months, are gonna be fantastic. Can they keep those numbers up? I'm unsure that that will happen. So I think Airtasker has a better name than Freelancer. I think mm. it's got a better business model and I think it works better. Um, I traded it day one at 99 cents and sold sold it out the next day on the open at $1.12 and I thought I was a hero. Um, you did with Airtasker. Yeah, yeah, okay. but again, it went from $1.12 open to $1.65 on the day. And you know, so I think there's a lot of heat and to Jumbe's point, I think I'd like to see it trade a little bit longer. So it, it's a no from me at the moment because we just need some more history. But I think this post-COVID world, I think it's going to be very, very difficult. So Airtasker, one to watch. Just in terms of strategy, Jumbe, do you normally, when you see a company make a debut, just like to sit back and watch it move for a little bit before you would get in? Uh, look, uh, it it did look. It depends on what the share price move is and the like. Um, I think um, it, you know, and depends on what sector it is as well. Um, and uh, you know, when the price moved like a hundred percent, you know, when mm. close to a hundred percent, you tend to think it, it might take some time um, before you know before it normalizes. Clearly, indication there's a lot of heat. In, indication of two things: either it was priced too cheap, or it's um, you know there's a lot of heat. There's a lot of spe well speculative money in that stock. So um, on that basis you know you do seem uh, you want to wait a little bit because you know existing holders will start wanting to take profit um, and that's when the a lot of uh, real volume started picking up and the new share register you know new shareholders mm. coming in and that's when it matures a little bit it'll take a couple months maybe take 12 months um, and meanwhile the earning better hold up because you know we've seen what happened to new X when you uh, miss the first oh, yeah. first result um, you know get does get 
punished pretty quickly and those mm. heat can come out quite quickly. Okay, well. that is the stock of the day, Airtasker. <laughs> Let's get to some of the companies that have been submitted by you, our viewers. This one is coming from Simon. Uh, he actually gave us a bit of context here saying, I own shares after buying in early November. Uh, represents about 12% of my portfolio. I'm a grain farmer myself and have bought on the back of the dramatic improvement in seasonal conditions for grain growing summer and winter crops on the east coast of Australia. So he's saying, should I buy more to say 20% of the portfolio or hold or reduce holding? So that's bordering on advice. This is information only, I'll put that out there. Uh, but a bit of news out with Grain Corp this week, and it was pretty positive, a $25 million boost in annualized earnings. I've spoken mm. with a lot of people this week saying, look, there's momentum behind this one. Do you agree? Mm. Oh, absolutely. Um, both short term and long term as well. So um, the, the new management team has worked really hard to lift the return um, of this business, longer term average crop sort of assumption sort of return. And many people didn't believe them. So, um, you know, what they have demonstrated and what they said, it certainly seems like even the medium term return can be lifted. Now, this is, um, you know, actually underlying improvement in the business and that's sustainable aside from that looks like the crop is going pretty well as Simon talked about um, so you know the, the next crop report will be pretty uh, decent as well so in the short term you've got a bit of earnings boost on better crops and then over the medium term you actually have the business doing better overall so um, yeah that, that's a that's a buy for me it's a buy okay yeah. it's a buy for Morgan's it's an outperform for Macquarie it's a buy for UBS and an outperform for Credit Suisse do you like it as much as uh, it's, it seems like your peers do. Yeah, so farming or agriculture, you know, they talk about my game being stockbroking, um, being risky, right? <laughs> I think farming is one of the most risky businesses you can ever, ever do. You plant your crop and you expect the rain and the rain has to come within two to three days of you planting your crop. If not, you've lost, you know, a quarter of a million, half a million dollars, you've lost a lot of money. So I'm really cautious about Grain Corp. I'm really cautious about any kind of agricultural stock because there's so many things that can go wrong. Yes, moisture levels in the in the ground are a lot better. Yes, the rains have come, but I see so much risks with this business that I don't invest in any agriculture or aqua farming or anything like that. I just feel that there's too many exterior risks going forward. So if you hold it, I would hold it. Just to getting back to Simon's comments regarding the representation of his portfolio. Mm -hmm. One, I think you're overweight at 12% and being a grain farmer as well. So be careful with that one because all of your uh, potential investments plus your livelihood is all in the one area. So you've got to be careful about that. And I, as a portfolio rule, only have five to 10% in any one stock. So picking that up to 20% of the portfolio Unless you know, unless it's sort of ten thousand dollars at twenty, I don't know how how big the portfolio is. I think you you've got too much risk in your your stock plus what you do for a job or your livelihood. So I wouldn't recommend topping up anymore. I'd leave it as is. So it's a no from me, mm -hmm. and I guess it's a hold because it has done well and the rains are still coming. But there's too many risks. There's a new competitor that's come in. And they're seeing three new grain terminals in Newcastle, Port Kembla, which has added another 3.1 million tonnes of capacity into the industry as well. So there's going to be more of these competition going forward. This thing was tried to be taken over three five, years. five, three years, three, three five, years, five years ago. And the government squashed it on the head basically because it's a national interest. So I, I, yeah, I don't see too much more uplift in this one. So it's a no from me.
That's Grain Corp. Simon, thanks for writing in. Let's get to our next company, Insitech Pivot. And I like this because it's along the same lines. Mm. Number of conversations I've had this week about Grain Corp. People have also said, and then look at New Farm <laughs> and Insitech Pivot potentially. Chris is saying, should I wait for a pullback in this one or do you see upside from here? Junbei, fertilizer prices have increased to the highest level in more than five years. Company seems to be in an upgrade cycle. Is that a firm upgrade cycle? Uh, yeah, uh, well, for the short term, yes. Um, so because, like you said, the uh, the prices are all time high, and um, you know, well, it's not all time. It certainly has picked up quite significantly, and that will translate into earnings. Now, again, it's interesting. We, we start off um, with this panel talking about value companies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's certainly a lot of interest across those space. IPO is one of those perpetual disappointers for many, many, many years. Right. Um, and um, and then um, you know, remember these are called cyclical companies, which means um, um, you know, they don't have structural growth drivers underpin those businesses. They will only grow um, for a period of time when, you know, conditions got to be perfect. You know, you've got the prices up, you've got the cost under control, you've got everything. There's a lot of moving parts. And when those, um, you know, once in a few years, sort of once in the five years or once mm. in the decade, sort of environment's perfect, which is currently, um, they do do quite well for a little period of time. But it's not something you will ever want to hold for long, um, you know, for like a structural growth driver, like, you know, other growth companies like Zeros and others. Mm. So at the moment, I think short term, there's upside from it. Um, I, it is a hold from me, um, but it is not something that you would want to um, you know, hold for any more than, you know, I, I would say six months or yeah. more than that. So it, be cognizant of the fact that it's cyclical, even if it looks like good value. I mean, does it look like good value? Yes, it does. I mean, if you, if you actually look at uh, the spot that prices, which is the ingredients that go into long-term fertilizer prices, it's averaging around $590 US a ton, which is 37% above the 10-year average, which is around $431 a ton. So like any commodity stock, if the commodity price is moving Mm -hmm. higher, the stock should move higher with that uh, earnings. Most brokers or most analysts have sort of price targets around $320 to $3.50. So look, there is some... uh, profitability to happen with that i think from that uh, fertilizers one thing cyclical definitely yes but it's the dino nobel uh, acquisition that they made many many years ago that i think is still weighing on uh, inside tech pivot and albeit that's been fairly favorable for them uh, and orica we've seen also having that exposure to that mining sector which hasn't done very very well mm. i think that's one of the sectors that is definitely dragging down inside tech pivot it's a no from me because of the perennial disappointments that this company has had over the years. Mm. Potentially, there's a trade from 250 to three bucks. There's definitely a trade there with the commodity prices, as we said. But I think longer term, it, it's not one that I, I invest in. Better places to put your money. Let's see go. if we can find one. The third company on our list <laughs> is an, a question coming to us from Ma, Maher, I think. Uh, it is got a focus on China. And it's got a partnership with a local influencer there, apparently. I've looked it up. Actually, we interviewed the CEO a while back before it listed. It is essentially a product that children can drink that promises higher hopes to shorter stature children. And um, I guess it could be consumed as a general nutrition drink as well. Jimbei, had this one been on your radar? Did any of your research um, 
um, fruitful for you? <laughs> I must say it hasn't, uh, it, it seems it's quite early stage and uh, it hasn't really popped up on the radar. Um, but it seems what it's trying to do is like many other of the other larger businesses mm. like A2 and um, you know, whether Clover is slightly in more ingredient side or Blackmores and those names uh, into China. So, um, you know, it's, the idea is great, um, but the issue is that we have learned over the last five years how difficult and how competitive that market is. And particularly at this point, um, you know, Chinese um, business or ch Chinese market is going through a bit of uh, local brands, you know, focus with local Chinese brands. Um, that's why we've seen A2 struggle a little bit and, you know, the foreign brands certainly struggled. Um, Blackmores, um, you know, it, once upon a time was very hot in China and uh, mm. at it last few years they have quite frankly haven't really sold that much um, into China so um, very difficult market um, and very competitive so um, just a bit too early stage to really make a call whether they can make it um, you know it just all the foreign brands um, operate in China and uh, they are spending they've been in China for decades and it's just incredibly competitive yeah mm. now this company does have a partnership uh, GlaxoSmithKline acquired the rights for its protein powder in India. Uh, it, it has a goal of putting its product on supermarket shelves and in pharmacies. Mm. It, is there any value in getting in with one of these companies in a small way, early stage? Yeah, look, I guess so. I mean, they raised $7 million. Uh, the, the stock is pretty much, I think it was a 20 cent IPO. So mm -hmm. it's about 24 cents at the moment. So it had a good run. You know, everyone got a little bit excited about it, a little bit frothy. And then from there, you know, it's it sort of come back and it dipped below that IPO price and now sort of starting to go again. So I think it's okay. Their, their brand is called Healthy Height, uh, which, you know, I'm a tall person, so I really don't understand. But yeah, I understand why people want to be a bit, bit taller. Well, I'm a shorter person who thinks, well, what's wrong with it? Vitamin is a big thing in Asia and China for height um, is um, is a big market. Is it? Um, across both, uh, uh, you know, the traditional medicine space for height and as well as the, right. uh, uh, you know, Western So it's seen as desirable. Uh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> to that point, they had a decent result for the last half or generating $1.9 million in revenue, which was a 58% increase uh, from 2019. And they got cash in the bank about $4.6 million. So look... They've got healthy, that healthy height selling through China. It's on Alibaba. Um, they're continuing to focus on these things. Um, the distribution channels, I think, is, is their key. And that's what Jumbo says, that China thing. You can spend a lot of money getting into this thing and you probably don't get anywhere. So look, if it hits a chord, for me, it's, it's a no, it's a hold if you own it because I think it's just above IPO price and I always like stocks that come back to their IPO price, go below and then start again because I think that's a, some strength in the stock. But uh, I don't really have a grasp on it, so I'm sorry. Um, it's it's a hold. Fair enough. From me, Polynovo. We've had a couple of companies on the list and have had news associated with them. Polynovo mm. is coming from James. He points out that it had a pretty hard hit in the wake of reporting season, but it is investing heavily in growth and R and D. And then at this week. It has signed an agreement with what's called a purchasing group purchasing organization in the States, a GPO. It's called Premier. And what it will do is it says that it will allow uh, its product to be sold into as many as 4,100 health facilities and hospitals. So these are really key to promoting new medical devices in the U.S. in particular. So GPOs basically vet the product and then they make recommendations, right, for, you know, healthcare providers mm. to use them. 
Is this a real positive for Polynova? Uh, this is what they, uh, it's a positive, but they have to do it um, to, to be able to sell their products um, given, you know, share price, the, the market capitalization is already capturing a lot of the future market where they haven't, in fact, haven't actually ac have access to yet. So mm. uh, it's important for them to do that. It's, um, you know, it's good to see it's still happening, but, uh, you know, it, whether it's really meaningful for the, you know, further share price upside, it's not. Um, and, um, you know, just in terms of Polynovo itself, um, you know, we like this business. It's just, um, you know, right now, what, how much do you pay for this type of business? You know, the market cap, um, you know, mark, it's trading off 50 times sales at the moment. Um, and uh, um, and it's, uh, it's only got a cash runway of um, one and a half years, 12 months to one and a half year, right, years. They have to spend the cash because they, um, you know, they, they need to spend on the next product or, you know, expand where they currently is, uh, you know, where they currently is very good for uh, that burn space. But the overall market for burn space is actually really small. Um, they need to expand into hernia and everything else. So on that basis, you know, it just seems quite expensive. We do like this business, but now that because we have an alternative, a little business called Aroa, um, oh, ARX, yeah. So it's in the similar sort of space, not you know, technology is slightly different. So coming out of New Zealand, only just listed a year ago, mm. um, it actually is in that hernia market. So overall, addressable market is actually much larger. They have the same amount of revenue, but literally a third of the market cap um, for that business. Mm. And because it's small, it's new, and it's actually got a lot of indication, uh, you know, clinical trial and, and very strong numbers that came through. So you know, just on that basis, you have an alternative that's uh, you know, it's it's new and it's everything and it's doing quite well. It's also signed a lot of markets. So um, you know, just seems that the other one is definitely a much more um, much more upside, upside much more compared to this one interesting no. arx that's right is it, you know that obviously yep, then. yep 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 so yeah so arx is, is is done well because of the difference in that dermal um the skin grafts that they do and i think it's got a longer shelf life and it has lower risk to infection mm. so i think there's okay. just a couple of little things that are different inside of that that polynovo uh um announcement the other day i think is a good announcement but what happens is then when you're not in control of selling your product when you go out to market to say the us it's really then comes down to that salesperson going out to the hospital and he's basically saying well if how much how much am i going to get if i sell this product versus how much i'm going to make if i get to sell this product and so your margins get really squeezed because you have to up your commission as it were to these salespeople mm. because it's probably not top on their list it's probably not the bottom it's maybe halfway through so potentially when they get access to all of these markets the person actually has to try and sell it and that's where i think it comes unstuck it's a great opportunity it gives them access to a huge market but then they have the margins has has to get squeezed because you have to pay more commission for the mm -hmm. salesperson to lift it up the rung to get it in front of the doctors and this is just anecdotal um, but it. there's a lot of spending to get these doctors Absolutely. and healthcare professionals Absolutely. on site. Absolutely. I mean, it's not a cheap business. I've seen it in other companies that have had small sales teams here in Australia doing these deals with the bigger, larger companies overseas and it not working mm -hmm. because in 12 months it doesn't happen. Yeah, and usually these, um, the ultimate, um, you know, ideal situation is, um, you know, it, this sits better with a bigger portfolio, like a bigger farmer. Yeah. You know, ideally, you know, a big farmer will buy them, they already got the distribution, their own salespeople and everything, they got this new product and just um, push it in. And ideally that's the best way 
to you know to move forward we've seen many um, biotech and medtech businesses over the years they try to either third party and a lot of time it doesn't work it takes a long time to ramp up or you go direct but then the cost um, you know in incredible amount of cost because sales people you've got to hire them you've got to do all these things yeah. and then you have to get into the in front of those doctors so um, you know it's 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 a long journey mm -hmm. I don't, you're going to ask me whether it's a buy, hold or sell. Um, actually looking at the chart, I actually think it's a buy, right? I'm just looking at the chart because it's had its rally. Look, it's come back down. It's stabilized now and now starting to move up. So from a charting perspective, I think it looks, I think it looks good. Fundamentally, it's a no. It's a hold if you have them. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> a hold if you, yeah, yeah. you know, definitely have a hold. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Uh, we're almost at the halfway mark, but we've got Venturex Resources, VXR, to get through. And uh, this one is for Chris, who says, thoughts on Bill buying in after leaving Northern Star? So let me just give you a bit of context. Bill Beeman was uh, chair of Northern Star Resources. He was expected to stay at Northern Star, but he chose to jump ship once that... Uh, you know, the big merger took place and he became uh, exec chair of this Venturex Resources company. So it saw a big lift in its share price mm. in the wake of that. From what I can tell, it's focused on resources around Port Hedland. It's an explorer, various base metals. Yes. So very early stage, obviously. Very early stage. And it is definitely a tick in the right box for Bill to come into this business. We have seen this previously where companies would look at other companies and do the DD and potentially look, potentially take them over. And then something's happened, it hasn't happened. And then we've seen management move, sh jump ship. He's moved into this one. He's subscribing for just shy of $9 million in shares and a placement at eight cents. And I think the stock's at 40 or so cents today. So mm -hmm. yeah, 44. So um, that, that's a definite tick in the box for uh, the ability for this business to move forward. Um, also, Northern Star has sold out of uh, VentureX as well, and it's just come out uh, a couple of days ago, and Mineral Resources has taken that Northern Star yes. stake. So again, that is a decent company, Mineral Resources, very well known. Uh, so another further tick. Um, for me though, it is too early stage. Uh, for, for all those players out there that like that kind of business, then probably, yes, you, you, you take a little bit of a punt on this one. But for me, I'm a little bit uh, wary of the such a meteoric rise. And I think potentially there's going to be some consolidation back to that sort of 30, 26 cent level. And then I think it, it looks a little bit better. So it's a hold from me. I think Adam said it all. <laughs> yeah. uh, look, it just, uh, look, it's... It's, it's too early for me. Um, you know, it is uh, on the high risk spectrum if you want to have exposure to that whole base metal space. Um, and now that on the back of, you know, such sharp rise in the share price, it certainly means that a lot of those upside has been captured. Um, you know, upside as in, you know, the credit addition of the credibility of mm. the management mm -hmm. and the stake, the mineral resource board and all of that. So, um, you know, it, it will probably not do much. Um, if you do want exposure to those base metal, go for the bigger names. Um, there's uh, quite a lot of them and they've done very well and the earnings still looking pretty strong um, in the next six 12 months yeah you're not in the business of taking punts on early stage explorers <laughs> unless i can be quite reasonably certain but it just uh, that one seems to reasonably yeah yeah okay yeah. well we are at the halfway mark i'm on time today we have our own portfolio that we've been tracking since the beginning of july 2020 and that is thanks to our partner at nav trade all of the stocks uh, that get a two thumbs up or a buy from both of our experts on the show, we've been putting into the portfolio. I'm curious to get an update on it. Now, one week return 
up about four tenths of one percent. One month return up about half of one percent. And since July 1st of last year, up almost 25 percent thanks to our expert guests. So we will continue to check in on that call portfolio and uh, we'll keep you updated just via that link as to what companies have been put in recently. Let me run you through where we've come to at this stage of the show. Airtasker is not a buy from either of our guests, just too expensive. They'd both like to see just a little more, you know, time to go under, uh, to water to go under the bridge before they would, um, you know, that they would take a stake in this company. Grain Corp uh, came in from Simon. It's a buy from June Bay. She sees not only an underlying improvement in the business, but the rains are good for this company right now. Adam says it's just still too risky. It's a cyclical business. Uh, he's got it as a hold if you do own it. Insitech Pivot IPL for Chris. It's a hold from June Bay. Short term, we are in an upgrade cycle, but it's a perpetual disappointment, this company. There could be some short term upside, but it would not be a long term hold at all. Um, we've got a hold for Insitech Pivot from, uh, from Adam as well. Again, it's just the disappointment that always comes through and it's being weighed upon by that Dino Nobel uh, acquisition it did a while back. Nutritional growth. Solution. So this is not a buy from either one of our expert guests, June Bay and Adam. They've been agreeing a lot today. They say that it's just too early. Also, the execution <laughs> risk. They want to move into China. The company does. Uh, but to June Bay's point, there's companies that have been there for decades and are having a difficult time right now. So there's not a lot of reason to be in NGS at this stage of the game. Polynova, which we know is a fan favorite with many of our viewers out there. Again, this is a no from both of these guys. A hold if you've got it in, Al in Adam's view. Uh, however, it, you know, on the chart, it's all looking pretty good, but fundamentally is where it falls down. And that's the same you know, story for Bay. What price are you willing to pay for this company? She has nominated ARK in the same sort of space. IRX. ARX, apologies. I write down things pretty quickly. ARX, and um, I don't think you said it's a buy, but it is it's one. It's a buy. It is a buy. a buy, so yes. there's your bonus buy. ARX, and it's in a similar space, doing it better at a much better price. And then the last one on the list was Venturex Resources, VXR. It's got a good story in Adam's view, a few ticks um, beside the name, but it's again, just too early stage. There's risk in it, and that risk is what would keep June Bay away from it. There are bigger names that are looking for base metals, um, so it's just too high on the risk spectrum. So that takes us to stock number six on the list, and that is Washington H. Sol Pats. SOL is the ticker code for Helen. It reported just yesterday, 28% slide in its half underlying half yearly profit. Um, but I've read just today, I can't remember which broker this came from, that it's trading at an 80% premium to its underlying portfolio value. What do you make of that, Jumei? Uh, I think that stock is a sell for me. Um, uh, <laughs> and uh, look, it gives you exposure to a list. It's a portfolio business. Mm -hmm. um, it gives you exposure to some of the largest ones, the, um, the holding they have, Brickworks, TPG, um, New Hope, um, Coal, and the like. So if you would like any of those businesses, go and buy it um, directly instead of you know, buying the holding company. Um, and today, what's interesting is that um, you know, TPG has a, had an announcement mm -hmm. that uh, oh. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Tio is uh, resigning from the board. Um, there's some, you know, strange reshuffling happening on the board level, executive level. So share price down quite a lot. And uh, TPG is about 35% of that portfolio. Um, and, uh, um, you know, the Seoul hasn't, share price has, 
hasn't moved. I think it's gone up. So yeah. you know, it's a, if anything, technically, it's probably going to fall <laughs> um, reasonably, um, reasonably soon. And um, you know, just to me, that why wouldn't you buy the underlying businesses? Um, look at it. Look, uh, look at uh, it. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Let's look at that chart. It well, wouldn't it have been better to buy in April? Well, I was. But, okay. um, <laughs> <laughs> so pull, but pull up your coal company, pull up your other names, put them in and put Brickworks. Correct. Brickworks. It puts uh, your, I don't know, other building material businesses, yeah. Laurel and, you know, all of these yeah. ones they've done very, very well. I, so disagree with her. Yeah, I am. I, well, <laughs> I, you, you, you're coming over to me now? Right <laughs> yeah. now, right, it's time. No, look, I think, I think I, look, We've, we've, we've loved this company for many, many years and we've done very, very well because I've got a lot of clients that are income focused. Mm. And Solpats, since day one, has never reduced their dividends. It, it has always gone higher. Today, they raised their dividend to 26 cents for the half from 25 last year. Okay, yes, it's not a huge rise, <clears throat> but that dividend and that stock has since, uh, well, yeah, well, a couple of years ago, has done very, very, very well. So we really like the story. Um, at the here, it does look a bit high, and that TPG announcement today is going to hurt the stock. Coal hasn't been ha, has been on the nose for a long time, but this stock continues to rise. The Milner Group, the Milner family, are very very good at what they do, and they have brought this business from back from not from the dead, but certainly done very very well. I buy it for clients that like consistent dividends. I also buy this for that. They don't have the ability to go and buy each individual stock. It's a nice one that we can just put together. It's an investment house. It sort of reminds me of a Wes Farmers. You know, they're, they're sort of, they're in their buying businesses, bring them back up, getting them right, and then moving on. So at these levels, I think it's a hold. Um, it's not a sell. It's definitely a hold. I really like this business for that income going in for those clients. So you would buy this on a pullback? Absolutely. Absolutely. How 100%. significant would that pullback have to be? I think under $30, I'd be comfortable. I, think, I still think this runway, I mean, the, 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 the revenue was good, 589 million versus 725. Dividend is rising. Yes, the, the, the net profit was a little bit sort of weaker, but like, yeah, I, I think I'm really happy with the business. That was a very polite disagreement, guys. Well done. <laughs> That's our first disagreement today. Yeah, today. absolutely. BAPCOR is the next one on our list. Again, we had some news out from BAPCOR today, bit of M&A, not today, this week, bit of M&A from BAPCOR. Uh, Sabir has written in saying in October it reached an all-time high and reported pretty well in February, talking about that stake in that Asian company, pointing out though that the share price has pulled back about 15% from the all-time high. So again, is it a buy at current levels for both growth and dividend? Junbei, do you see BAPCOR as a growth story considering it's been acquisitive and could be again in the future? Uh, it's definitely a higher growth business um, across that whole discretionary retail space. Um, you know, just structurally, there's a lot more room for growth when you compare to the likes of the super cheap and the others. Um, so I think right now for the discretionary retailer, the main issue is that, um, you know, they all have done incredibly well mm. um, in the last, you know, since COVID because of the um, stimulus that's been handed out to people and, you know, just going to be very difficult uh, to compare some of those numbers going forward um, you know all the retailers have reported enormous numbers in the last uh, in the last month or so and um, you know share price most of the share price still hanging there but the problem is just next 12 months you will see negative numbers um, out of pretty much all the discretionary retailers um, you know look at past next 12 months maybe things will get normalized and get a bit better just we are in that transition phase um, you know market will find it difficult to really um, you know to to 
to, to really get, get the share price really rallying when mm. the earnings falling in the next 12 mm -hmm. months. Um, so, but look ahead, I think, you know, this take a longer term view, this business is a good business. Uh, it's got a reasonable growth outlook um, compared to other mature retailers. Um, and I just think you can get it cheaper um, in, in the in next time. 12 months. Yeah. In the next 12 yeah, months, yeah. you will get it cheaper. And, and so, Adam, as far as, you know, execution of this Asian strategy, yeah. uh, Daryl Abadami, he's been CEO for, well, I don't know the years, but quite some time. He's yep. really led this company. He's brought in other businesses into the BAPCOR umbrella before. So mm. do you have pretty good faith that he'll be able to execute in this one? Yeah, so he's not going too far away from Australia being Asia. I think, you know, you've you got to know your markets and, and certainly going into that uh, markets um, is, a, is a good thing. Obviously, the Aussie dollar is going to the strength of the Aussie dollar is doing well at the moment. But obviously, when they try and then convert that back, potentially there might be some issues with the currency. We have seen the, the Australian business uh, sales uh, declined or their compound annual growth has sort of declined by about 2% over the last sort of uh, four years. But that has certainly been changed now that the mobility habits, do you like that mm. word? Mobility habits. <laughs> of consumers have certainly, as they avoided public transport through COVID, uh, they are, will continue to buy more and more things. So I think that's a definitely uh, a strategy, but I think the growth strategy is definitely gonna be that international expansion. And I think that is what's gonna lift BAPCOR up. For me, it, it's a hold. Um, I, I wanna see how this acquisition goes. They might move into Korea, they might move into Malaysia. I mean, there are other areas that they can certainly uh, um, into you look to increase um, but I think the Australian market's probably very mature and that's probably where they're looking overseas to get that more growth yeah well you know less than 30 million people there's a yeah. limited uh, a market for what you're selling correct uh, just going by memory ARB in that space is one of your favorite picks yes yeah. that is my top pick in that space yeah, yeah I absolutely definitely. agree I think ARB is a much better business uh, although it's still also a you know COVID beneficiary as well because people are out on the roads and buying you know these vehicles but that's a much better run mm -hmm. business okay mm -hmm. ARB as well now the next company in our list is coming to us from Matt so this is the global data center investment fund GDC is the ticker code this is a 360 capital fund that is very focused on data centers and it's not just data centers here at home it's data centers right around the world Junbei this is one of those megatrends that we talk about all the time the move to the cloud the necessity for these big centers. Do you know the fund? Uh, yeah, look, we looked into the fund. I think um, it's, the strategy is sound. <laughs> it sounds very interesting. Um, and they talk about the focus into, um, you know, instead of just data center, it's the edge data center, which is, um, you know, these days with the availability of 5G. So you're building uh, some of those um, data center that, um, that is closer to, um, to the, you know, say in the city and the likes, mm. and then they can transmit into, uh, transmit the information into the, you know, the data center that's a bit further away because of the, you know, just difficult to get real estate within the, um, you know, within the mm -hmm. central mm. places and yeah. closer to the client. So this in a way actually could transform, um, you know, overall data center, but that is the trend where everything's going. So it sounds really interesting. Um, I think still early stage, still pretty small. Um, and uh, in terms of client base, um, you know, to me, just um, 
you know, um, uh, next DC certainly has a lot larger, uh, but of course more centric with uh, with domestic and the like. Um, but, you know, so my view is that I'd much rather to be in the next DC if you want to be in the data center business. Don't forget, it is a real estate business. Data center is a real estate business. Um, you know, you, you, you buy, you, you have the land and you build upon it. Um, and then you've got to constantly invest to, um, you know, to keep up with um, where the technology, how quickly the information can be transferred, um, you know, from the okay. central from near the client and to everything else so um, you know it's it's uh, it's yeah so to me it's um, I'd much rather to be in the likes of Megaport and you know the software businesses where they actually have the very large global share um, and um, and this one is still very early stage in terms of where they are with the edge data center but you don't sound overwhelmingly sold on being in data centers altogether is that how I read that oh I just think that the the they're not yet to make that return. Um, what What's happening in the last few years is about land grab, right? So, mm. you know, it's about getting the best piece of real estate closer to the clients, and then you go out and build it, and it costs a lot of money to build it. And the question is, um, you know, the, the, the technology is evolving so quickly, now we have 5G, so you can just build those little space, the edge data center, then uh, install a little thing that's on the top of the building, mm -hmm. and suddenly, you may not need those giant data center to be actually that close to the city. So in my view, over time, technology is changing so quickly. You know, were they worth as much as what you thought it would be when you first out building? Mm -hmm. You know, just to me, that just seems like competitions come in, that cost a lot of money to build, very long dated return. Um, it's difficult to call it. Yeah, interesting. Mm. Uh, what do you think of the Global Data Center Investment mm. Fund? I believe you're familiar with 360 Capital? I certainly am. I certainly uh, I like this business. So let me just throw some stats at you because I have come prepared for this one. <laughs> <laughs> don't, you, don't you laugh. No, I'm pleased. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> but I feel, I feel it coming on. <laughs> here, here, <laughs> it goes, here it goes, comes. here it goes. So Internet of Things. Um, Let's just talk about the stats. We might even convince you, June Bay. Yeah, uh, I will. I will. I'm going to get the fund in as well, and we'll, we'll, you can put some money into it. No, I'm uh, not against this one. This one's better than this. this one. <laughs> okay. So, um, 2008, there were seven billion Internet of Things devices. Sorry, 2018, there were seven billion Internet devices uh, connected to the to the internet. By 2025, there's going to be more than 75 billion devices connected. So, in the next four to five years, right? Data centers. Where does all of that data go? There's over 150,000 YouTube video clips posted daily. Where does all of that data go? Okay. Revenue. In 2018, the North American uh, Internet of Things market generated 83 billion. By 2026, estimates around $1.1 trillion are going to be just on the revenue alone. And then adoptions. One more stat, everybody. Um, basically, they are saying by, by 2026, there's going to be three and a half billion cellular internet of connections to be installed. It's ridiculous, the amount of growth, mega trend, that we're talking about this thing. So if you haven't already realized, I think this is a buy. Okay, I think that, that NextDC is going to, as we've always said, is going to struggle because of the land that they use here in Sydney, Melbourne, uh, Perth, is very, very expensive. And you're right, they need to be near the hubs and that land is going to get more and more expensive. What uh, GDC has done is that they have gone out, not just to Australia, but they're looking globally. So they've got some stuff in France, they've got some stuff in Belgium, they've got some uh, data centers in, uh, I think South America, Brazil. I've got a stat, there. I've read it was 600 data centers worldwide, 38 countries. There you go, right? So they're getting, uh, uh, instead of being concentrated, they're going for the wider spread. 
So for me, this is a buy because it is that trend that will go forward. The risk to this stock is that it is quite illiquid. It is very hard to get set in it. And if you were going for larger amounts, you would definitely push the share price up or put the share price lower. It listed at $2, two and a half years ago. It's sitting at $1.60 at the moment. So there is some value there. They have raised some more capital. They probably potentially will need to come and raise more capital in the market to buy more data centers. But this is their business. 360 guys are very, very good at real estate. They're very, very good. And they've been on the show a couple of times as well. So I really think this business is a buy. I really think this one uh, people should look at for, put it in the bottom drawer. The trend is behind it. The sales in its wins. I'm not going to give it a table thump up, but I think it's a good buy. Actually, just on the back of it, look, it sounds interesting. Um, I think the, the main thing is that I like their idea, their, their, their strategy talking about the focus of that edge data center. The edge data center is, I think, with the 5G, that's where the future is going. Um, this is where NextDC perhaps is a little bit behind. Yeah. Um, you know, this is where you install a small piece of equipment where then you have access to a lot of, you know, CBD and central areas locations. Um, and for me, you want, I want to see more of execution of those. And, um, and the problem, I guess, you know, um, management you've got to back them and these guys um, are very very good yeah. i have had the experience with um you know those uh, 360 management previously yeah. in different vehicles um they have generated a lot of returns so you will absolutely back them but you know if they do come to the market perhaps we'll look at it um you know just to have a bit more liquidity um mm. but it's uh, it's it's about that strategy and also building a bit scale in each market yes. because you know one of the thing about data center is you have a couple center it doesn't work you have to quite have quite a bit mm. and if you have that those edge data center that you know sort of installed then if you have a few around it then you can really build the scale quite quickly so you want to see those reaching some of those maturity. more and more money is getting invested in the area i think google this week came out and said that they're going to spend billions of dollars employing a couple ten thousand people just to build some data centers in the us alone um, just to house all of that information that's coming through. So where does all the data go? It has to go to these centers, which it gets held. And it, you know, it's fingerprint, it's secure. It, it's basically a, a, a room with a big fridge and lots of data racks in it. So like, it's not rocket mm -hmm. science, um, but yeah, it, it, it's definitely that uh, trend that is moving in the right direction. You didn't quite convince her, I don't think. I did. She's, she's, <laughs> she's, no, it's on her watch Jumbe list, said, I think. Said we'll have they, a look at it when the raise comes. Money, <laughs> yeah, that's on, right. That was phone. all he wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, you know phone. he's going to claim credit for this yeah, yeah, if yeah, it ever right. pans out for you, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll take the call on that one. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. the witness to what's happening here. And I don't play favorites. Okay, let's get to number nine on the list, cash converters. CCV, Mark says they've just started paying a dividend. I noticed they're now buying shops back from franchisees uh, look it was a pretty painful report that came through but it did have the settlement of some class action litigation claims in it this is one company that Junbei I mean it has been benefiting from that shift to online not enough uh, of a story there for you uh, look, I think that um, cash converters has been listed for a very, very, very long time. Um, so today, actually, we had a couple of names that all have been around for a long time. And, uh, you know, and, and the life as a listed company, actually, in terms of core business, has changed a few times. Um, and, um, you know, the way I see it, they, um, you know, they do have a um, old business model. Um, and they really struggle to reinvent themselves. Um, and especially in today's world, in the last few years, we've seen those um, incredible amount of digital competitors um, you know in those space um, 
I, I just think this business needs to do more or you know to, to see how mm. they can really sustain the with the current level of competition across the digital land well, whether it's lenders or um, across other um, businesses um, so yeah it's a, it's a no from me um, perhaps you can watch to see how they go but it's it's, it's going to be quite difficult yeah history would say that potentially they should have done a lot more you know this been thing's been listed for many many years so mm. you know you would definitely think that I think one of the advantages is they do have a large loyal customer database mm. uh, you know that, that, that kind of thing but my problem is is that you know do you go and buy a second-hand guitar or a second-hand camera when they're so cheap at JB Hi-Fi or, or whatever do you know do you need a second-hand one you could potentially go and buy it new um, you know so I, I sort of feel that that um, that's uh, I'm going to say loan shark, but it's not the right word. That no. pawn broker or that kind of deal. I think that was where the, um, you know, the reputation, I suppose, maybe gets muddied a little yeah. bit. And I believe that they were doing a little bit of lending at, at one point. Yeah, no, yeah, I think they still do. Okay, yeah, payday lending. Yeah, yeah, payday lending. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so they've got $150 million of loan facility and they've got $70 million of that already drawn. So, mm. um, you know, there's not a lot of debt there. The, their earnings are okay. Um, but, you know, I, I just feel that that's an old business model that I think, you know, potentially, um, you know, it might get taken over, but yeah, it's a no for me. It's a why. It's a, it's a no. Yeah. I, yeah. Put that in my notes. Okay, let's get to, we're actually at the end of the list. Doing well for time today. Enero, EGG is the ticker code. Now I had to look this one up. I, I have come across it in, in some of its All subsidiaries. Of yeah, it's creative content, it's communications, PR, digital data, so analytics, and technology. So we should be asking you what you think about this No, one. I mean, I, I think I'd seen a few of their subsidiary PR names. I get a lot of uh, PR coming through my inbox. What can I tell you? It reported a net revenue of $81 million in the most recent report, which was up 19% on the prior reporting period, Jimbe. In your research, was there anything in that that would get you excited? <laughs> Can't you turn to him first? Yeah, well, okay. yeah, I, will. It's true. I think it's just a right bias that I have. Adam, go ahead. Taking this the whole, you've been taking the heat all all hours. So this is fantastic. Okay, okay. Adam. Right. <clears throat> yes. All right. So me. Um, look, it's an interesting business. They did sell uh, a PR business called Frank, and I don't know what they did, or maybe you know what they did. No. Okay. All right. So uh, they did. We're they all did. Passing the potato on this one. <laughs> They did sell a business that was in the company announcement. They did sell Frank uh, a business, which is a PR business. They um, moved that on. Look, top line data and revenue uh, up 19%. EBITDA uh, to $24 million, up 120%. Mm -hmm. Like, decent. And the share price. Look at the chart. Yeah, it looks, looks really good. So it's sort of, this is great because, you know, we get to uncover some of these interesting businesses as well. They declared a dividend of 10 and a half cents. Um, they've got some balance sheet flexibility. Um, what I did like about the business is, is that um, only 10% of their, or sorry, 10 of their clients represent 47% of the business or 47% of the revenue. A lot of these firms sometimes just get Facebook. But they've got, to your point, they've got some good clients on yeah, their books. Yeah, so but then usually it's one or two clients is 80% yeah. of their revenue. So there's always that concentration risk or, or key management key risk that if one of those clients walks walks out mm -hmm. to find something else, then revenue and everything will fall off a cliff. So I think it's quite diverse, you know, with Adobe, 
Google, you know, Australian government, those kinds of things. And it's diverse. So it's not just an Australian-based company. They've got offices in many, many countries as well. And to that point, that, that the US business is the one that's probably ramping up from last half. It was around about 18 uh, million. It, it wrote 28 million in, the, in this last half. So there's some really good growth in the US business. The Australian business is mature and sort of moving sideways and even Europe is also. So um, there's some expansion, there's some growth. And my only thought that, that I saw on this one was that um, there's a lot of employees um, the 600 employees over seven uh, seven continents in 14 different cities. That's a lot of staff. So I'd just be a little bit cautious that that cost management needs to be uh, looked at, and you need to be careful about that cost management. But overall, the chart has really done well. So. I'm going to say it's a buy. Mm, I haven't okay. had well, GDC was my only other buy, so I've only had two <laughs> buys uh, today. And this one, you know, I, I, yeah, it looks good. Margins look good. Everything looks good. Growth in the US, I think, it looks okay. Brad, thank you for putting that on Adam's yeah. radar. <laughs> yeah. Jim Bay, do you see it any differently? Uh, look, I, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a little bit more conservative investor compared to Adam. Um, <laughs> I manage a lot of. Uh, super fun money and uh, institutional money. Yes. Um, and uh, so look, uh, I think the company certainly looks interesting. Um, what's, uh, what this company reminds me of is uh, of, uh, there, there, there's a, there used to be another business listed around, uh, called Photon. Mm-hmm. Many many yeah. years ago, yeah. if you remember, mm-hmm. they hold a whole lot of uh, you know the advertising agency as well as communications businesses and the like. Um, mm-hmm. And the business grew really well over the uh, over the years, and uh, you know, and it, it did incredibly well for a period of time. Um, you know, when the media spending was very strong and the like. So this this one does reminds me of that. They do need a lot of staff. Um, you know, similar to Photon because mm-hmm. it's a creative business. Um, um, you know what? I've just had my producer say in my ear, "This was this is actually the revamped Photon." This oh, is, is what it? Photon has grown into. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. So, well, they didn't say in the business summary no, there. Um, so, I remember Photon when Tim Hughes, um, he was incredibly successful in running Photon mm-hmm. for a period of time. And I actually just assumed that Photon when, uh, um, yeah, didn't quite make it. Um, yeah. It's been it's been almost uh, 15 years, I think, mm. since Photon was used to be hot. So, um, you know, so this business reminds me of that. They need a lot of people. And they did have a lot of contracts and very good, loyal clients. They did have some issues was where, with key people people, um, creative people leaving the agency, when they leave, they take the clients with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sounds like they have revamped and, and you know, stabilized that and it seems like the growth is happening. They will go through a period of good growth. And also at the moment, we're in this, uh, you know, great, um, you know, great environment for media businesses because, um, you know, companies are spending money. Mm-hmm. They need communication. They need to spend and advertise. So that's why we're seeing Channel 9, you know, traditional music mm-hmm. media businesses are doing so well. News Corp doing so well if you look at the share price and, yeah. and and, and the earnings. So this and digital is good strategy in, is what a lot of it's these where they fo- need. Photon has always been focused on that digital space. And um, you know that was 15 years ago. They were probably a little bit early for their days. Um, mm-hmm. But that's you know it's good that this is was the revent of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a great business. It was a great you know people that used to run it. So but I do need to check whether they still the same group of people. Yeah. No. And I don't think it is. I know that there was key person risk in Photon. Mm-hmm. Just this is again going by memory. Mm-hmm. So so these companies can become a bit unruly. Is what you're both saying. That's 
right, yeah. When things become too good, um, you know, when the earnings go through this huge renaissance and the, the key people, they tend to leave. Mm -hmm. But it seems like this is quite diversified because yeah. back then, Photon bought a lot of little business and it was became very concentrated with a couple of top people. And I think they did leave. And, you know, when the share price started falling and their earnings were linked to the share price, mm -hmm. um, and then it sort of just didn't quite work out. Yeah. Mm. So, Brad, you know, you put that on our on our radar. Obviously, all of us had to do a bit of reading on it. Yeah. But uh, while it's a buy from Brad, Jimmy, I'm going to say that's not a buy. Uh, from you yet at, yet <laughs> we'll all be going and and doing some more um, and of course do your own research as well but that brings us to the end of the program I'll do a quick summary of the last companies that we've been talking about if I can get my papers in order number six this is a sell so that's Soul Pats for Junbei she says look it's um, just very vulnerable here if you like the underlying businesses in the company choose to get exposure that way uh, there's a bit of disagreement here because Adam has been a long-time holder. He's been putting his clients into this business for a very long time. He is a believer. Uh, the dividend is good. It's a hold at this level, though. He would prefer to buy or add if it falls to around that $30 level. So there you go. BAPCOR, look, both of these guys say that it's a pretty good business, but it's a hold. Uh, Junpei points out that there's going to be a period where we do see these earnings look comparatively poor as to what we saw through the pandemic with all of the stimulus spending and the changes in behavior. Uh, and it's in a transition phase, so beware of that. Uh, Adam says, look, it's, uh, you just don't know yet how the execution of this Asian strategy is going to go, so maybe it's just a wait and see. Global Data Center Investment Fund. This was I think that it was worth the price of admission to hear this uh, conversation, you know, because it was informative, Adam, as well. Uh, it's, a, it's a buy from Adam. He really believes it. He brought out the stats, points to the megatrend. One word of caution, it's a bit illiquid. Might be looking to raise capital as well. Junbei, she's not overly enthused about traditional data center plays like NextDC. Um, she prefers Megaport, I suppose, in that space. Um, but she says this is still pretty early stage. She will be keeping an eye on it, though. And uh, cash converters, it's a no from both of our guests. There's not much to add there. And uh, when we get to our final company on the list, Enero. I think that's how you say it. EGG is the ticker code for Brad. It's a buy from Adam. He's pretty impressed by the metrics that he has read. And um, is going to look into it a little bit further. Uh, she, of course, invests uh, big money on behalf of Instos and Superfund, so I don't think she's going to give it a buy just on, on our conversation today and uh, preliminary research. Uh, listen, Junbei, it's been wonderful to have you in today, as always, from Tribeca. Thank you. Adam Dawes as well, Sean Anytime. Partners. I'm glad that we could bring you guys back together yes. again, and we hope to do it in the future. Uh, that is the show for the today. If you've got a question on your mind, you can send it to the call at osbiz.com.au. Stick around. We will be back after this very short break.